Thank you for joining me, Robert Barclay, for another episode of Inside Jobs, the podcast for in-house agencies about in-house agency leaders brought to you by the In-House Agency Forum, or I have. In partnership with Express KCS, who help those in-house agencies who are in the know do more through outsource production. This episode, we meet Californian John Barnhart, who has started his own agency, moved to a major brand's in-house agency, and then took a right turn, left the Sunshine State for the real weather of Idaho. John is someone who knew what he wanted to do from the age of 10, which is more than I ever did. I'm 55 and I still have no idea what I want to do. Anyway, we recorded this during the Great Plague of 2020, so while we hear about John's personal career, we will also touch on how the lockdown has affected not only his department, but also that of his employer, the university itself. Welcome to the Inside Jobs podcast, John. I am thrilled to be here. I, uh, I've been looking forward to this since we connected, um, so let's get going. Okay, well, John, you're an interesting subject for Inside Jobs because of your background being a little different from many of the people I've, I've interviewed. Um, we're going to come to uh, we're going to come to that in a short while. But uh, your director of creative services at the University of Idaho, just give us a very broad brush uh, picture of what it is you actually do there. Certainly, we create all of the uh, all of the marketing and communications materials for the university. We're the uh, university for the state of Idaho, so we have campuses all over the state, and uh, we produce materials trying to encourage students to come to college. Um, we uh, engage with alumni. Uh, we talk with uh, faculty and staff here on campus, so we have a very broad audience. Well, we've got the pleasure of, of learning about your journey to get to that point, which I believe didn't actually start in Idaho, is that right? Um, most of my career was in California. I've lived uh, really my whole life in California, um, worked at the agency, um, worked at Oakley, but uh, came to Idaho about three years ago. So California, born and bred. Is yes. that right? Yes, yeah. that's correct. Sunshine, sand, blue skies. <laughs> All of the above, yes. All of the above. Idaho, less so. Is uh, right, uh, a lot less so, yes. Okay, well, it's very curious to know how that happened. Let's start right at the beginning. Where, where were you actually born, John? I was born in Oakland, California, so in the Bay Area, and lived there um, most of my life. Uh, my parents separated, and shortly after that, my mother decided she wanted to be a history professor. So she put herself through school, raising three boys, um, put herself through undergrad, grad school, and ultimately became a history professor at uh, California State University, Chico. Wow. And how many years did that little journey take her? Well, it took uh, eight years or so, I think. Wow. Uh, we were pretty young, my brothers and I, but she was an amazing person and probably... Uh, the reason that uh, myself and my brothers are so driven today. I was going to say that single-mindedness did that uh, was that inherited by you guys? Yes, absolutely, it was uh, absolutely. Well, you you were fairly, um, uh, I suppose, ambitious from an early age, weren't you? When you were at college, you you wanted to be a photographer, is that right? Yeah, I actually wanted to be a sports photographer from the time I was ten years old. Uh, remember the moment clear as can be. What happened? Yeah. Well, um, we had just moved to Santa Cruz where my mother was going to do her grad work. And uh, just about a half a block from this house we moved into, they were having a bike race, um, a century race. And I walked down to the end of the street and I saw these 
uh, racers just speeding by on their bikes on the city streets and I ran home and grabbed my mother's camera and when they came back around for another lap and I put that camera up to my eye, I was that was it. I knew from that moment on I was going to be a sports photographer and I can remember looking through that viewfinder. I remember uh, the bikes as clear as could be today, um, which is funny because the actual photographs didn't come out at all, but I remember oh. it very clearly in my mind. Well, you know, having the film ready in the camera is probably something you come to, right, after a while. <laughs> That's right. Yes, exactly. Listen to us talking about the film in the camera. Half my <laughs> listeners actually will have no idea what we're talking about. But <laughs> Yes. Um, actually, I found, I found an old reel, 35mm film. I have no idea what to do with it. It's in its canister. It's all done. It's You're right. obviously been used. I don't know what to do with it, John. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. Um, so what happened then? You, were, you, you followed that dream through to college to become a photographer, and that's what you were studying. Is that right? That's absolutely right. So um, I graduated from college with a degree in um, kind of... Uh, in, in those days, what you would do is work as a photo assistant, and you'd work in a few different studios. You work your way up from third assistant, second assistant, first assistant, and yeah. uh, then you kind of open up your own business um, and make a go of it. Yeah. So what happened to you? Well, uh, as I went through that process and opened up my own business, um, things were going great, and I was a photographer, not shooting a lot of sports, but I was making yeah. a living. Um, and I connected with um, a person who uh, did some design work and some printing work, and we decided to form our own agency. And um, I brought my photo studio into his design and print shop, and that's uh, where Stylecraft started. So, so how old were you when you started the agency? Oh, uh, 25. 25? That seems relatively young and ambitious to start your own agency, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but again, you know, you go back to the way I was raised where uh, it's kind of a no fear mentality. My mother had three <laughs> boys and decided to put herself through college. So there was no traditional um, uh, job uh, organization that I thought I should follow. It was uh, really, uh, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I was passionate about. Yeah. And um, as it turned out, it was a, a great decision. So you, you had a business partner in this, in founding Stylecraft, and you presumably felt you were both going to bring customers fairly on. Did it work out well from the get-go? Yeah, it worked out fantastic from the get-go. That's not the uh, normal story. You're meant to say that was five <laughs> years of sheer hell and dogged determination, not, yeah, we just cruised into easy gigs right from the get-go. Yeah, it was uh, just cash rolling in. No, it wasn't like that. It was, <laughs> it, it was a lot of hard work, of course. But we had some great clients, and those clients, uh, as they grew, they brought us along with them. So that was really the fortunate part. Um, we had some very good clients that were very loyal to us, and uh, it, it kept us growing and growing. Uh, ultimately, we had over 30 employees at the agency. So you, that was, uh, when was it, around 1990 or something you started Stylecraft? Yes, yeah, it okay. would have been right around then, long time ago. So, and I happen to know you ran that, you were there with the same partner, was it, for 25 years? Yes. Wow, you must be an easy guy to get along with. <laughs> Or they, or they must be very tolerant, one or the other. Yeah, exactly. I think that was the latter. Yeah. So was there a division of labor between you? Um, so uh, when the agency was small, um, we did our own 
uh, what we were good at. Uh, so um, he did design and, and ran the print shop. I did the photography and managed uh, some of the clients. Yeah. But as we started to grow, my role changed and I started to oversee all of the creative, the photography, the printing, you know, all those parts and pieces and still uh, maintained um, some sense of photography on some of the projects that uh, looked most appealing to me. But you had the joys of learning to manage people as you went as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and those are, uh, you know, those are unbelievable learning opportunities. <laughs> and challenges too, right? From time oh, to time. Absolutely. I, did you, I mean, were you aware of things like trying to foster a culture uh, within the organization? Were you aware how to delegate and, and certain things like that, that at 25, one generally hasn't come across? Yeah, so uh, you learn those things kind of uh, as you go. But uh, one of the, the most fortunate parts of my career is that some of the brands that we were working with um, brought me in and I got to see how they operated, how they built a culture, how they groomed employees and trained employees. And so I got to pick and choose um, lessons from some of these amazing brands that we worked with. And that really helped to shape what I do now. Tell us about some of the clients that you picked up along the way. 25, 24, 25 years was a, was a long time to be running that agency. Um, how far did you get? Well, uh, again, uh, like I said, we had some phenomenal clients. Uh, one of our largest was ASICS, the footwear and apparel company. Um, yeah. And when we started with them, uh, their sales were less than $200 million uh, domestic in the, in the U.S. Um, by the time our agency reached its peak, uh, ASICS was over a billion dollars in sales. And um, to watch a company go through that kind of growth uh, was a, a fantastic opportunity on my side. So uh, ASICS, the footwear and apparel company. We also uh, worked with Airwalk, which was a skate footwear company. Uh -huh. uh, Taylor made golf, uh, Oakley eyewear. Um, we also um, had a couple of uh, financial clients like Prudential Realty and Experian Credit Reporting. And those are some of the oh, bigger yes. companies we worked with. Um, yeah. And, and uh, all of them... Uh, fantastic to learn from. Right, right. But uh, 25 years on from founding the business, how how did it uh, how did it come to an end? Um, well, the other partners were ready to retire, and um, it it really, I mean, it was fantastic that we had this agency, and and you know we had over 30 employees, and we got to watch some of these employees um, raise kids put kids through college which is all yeah. very rewarding but gosh it's tough to own a business yeah. and and you're constantly challenging uh, you know making payroll every two weeks and all of those yeah. things so um, eventually it was time to sell the business and um, just be thankful for the 25 great years that we had yeah, so it is a tough call, I'm sure. I mean, I know this myself, having started uh, Express KCS with with my partner Tarek. That uh, one, um, it's very hard to to disentangle the business from your life and and depersonalize <laughs> it as well, right? It it is, it is. And there were many years where I would be on the road, you know, over 200 days a year, uh, lots of travel, wow. and that takes its toll as well. What happened after Stylecraft was sold? I mean, did you did you come home and sort of look at the four walls and think, what am I going to do now or, or, or what? 
Uh, well, um, I had the opportunity to join um, one of the companies that we had been working with for many years, Oakley, the eyewear company. Uh, right. They were located uh, not too far from our office in Southern California. So um, I went in and joined them as their global director of creative operations. Okay, so, so that was an in-house agency they already had? Yes, they had an in-house agency in place, a fantastic, amazing group of people for sure. And I was, uh, I had been working with them, of course, on, on the agency side, but uh, joining them in-house was uh, a real pleasure. Uh, so tell, tell me a little bit about that. So when you were on the outside, this is quite interesting perspective because I don't know many people who've worked for a particular client and then moved to that client to run their in-house agency. But when you were an outside agency, did you feel that you were competing a lot with their in-house agency at the time? Did you feel that uh, you were, you'd be pitching for business that they would win by default? Uh, was there any frustration like that? Uh, I, I wouldn't call it frustration, but there was constantly we were pitching for business that uh, they may prefer to take in-house. And we thought, oh, we're we're perfectly suited for that uh, project. And, and the, but 25 years at the agency, those things happen and uh, you don't get yourself down at all. Um, you just try harder and, and you keep going with the, with the work that you have. So when you went across to Oakley, did you then continue relations with, um, I don't know about Starcraft, but other external agencies? And did you see what they could bring perhaps with more clarity than, than someone who'd just been working in in-house agencies could see? Uh, yes. Uh, so um, again, we had sold the agency to a software company, but they maintained that agency and kept it up and running. And when I joined Oakley, we still used Stylecraft for some projects. Um, but, you know, what I learned on the, in, on the inside when I was at Oakley is, of course, uh, their, their team was laser focused on the brand and, mm. and what Oakley meant. But um, capacity is always a challenge. And that's what uh, advantages outside agencies have is uh, much easier to fluctuate their capacity levels with bringing in freelancers. Um, so as we became... Um, you know, maybe we were working on a campaign at Oakley, we could push some of those projects outside to help us with our capacity inside. Mm, okay, all right. So did you have to um, adjust working for a corporate master rather than working for yourself? I, I, had a, I would imagine one would have had to. It was a huge adjustment. It absolutely <laughs> was. I mean, you're right on. And, um, you know, at the agency, I didn't have a boss. We, yeah. I had partners, of course, uh, but now you move in-house and uh, you've got a VP that you report to and the VP yeah. reports to a, a president and a, uh, yeah. Oakley had been purchased by a huge company in Italy. So there was that. Uh, so those were all great lessons to learn, of course. Um, we, uh, our VP of marketing at Oakley gave uh, our in-house team a lot of freedom and flexibility uh -huh. uh, because uh, we produced some exceptional work. Uh, you had a good time at Oakley, but it didn't last very long, unfortunately, I think. Is that right? I had a fantastic time at Oakley. It really <laughs> was amazing. You know, of course, I knew them a little bit uh, yeah. because of the agency relationship, but actually joining them in-house was far too short. Um, yeah. I had mentioned uh, that Oakley was purchased by a large company called Luxottica, and they decided to move uh, a, lot of a lot of jobs offshore. So yeah. we, uh, our whole team, uh, lost our jobs. 
Wow. What sort of size team had you got there? What You, you seem to indicate it wasn't full service, but uh, what was their area of speciality? Well, the, the creative that uh, this team would come up with um, was phenomenal. Uh, the creative team was exceptional. Huh. Um, and, um, you know, Oakley is a you know, very large global company, and we were serving uh, our offices around the world yeah. and uh, coming up with just phenomenal creative. And the, the product was, you know, iconic, the Oakley product. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was certainly easy to play off uh, what a great quality product and uh, the culture of the company and the, the, the consumer that buys an Oakley product. So um, that was a great experience. And our specialty was de definitely creative. We had in-house photo and video. Uh, we did not have in-house printing. That would yeah. be something that we would uh, buy out. So that's interesting that you emphasize the creative more than anything because the biggest criticism leveled at in-house agencies is, well, you know, you're just not going to be very creative there working for the same brand all the time. How do you respond to that? Um, I, I think that in this case, uh, we had a, just a, a phenomenal team and a culture. Um, it's hard on the agency side. I didn't really understand until I joined Oakley uh, in-house. Uh, how much the culture dictated the work that we produced. The culture at Oakley was very unique and our creative team lived that culture. And um, from an outside agency perspective, you, you weren't quite on target uh, you, because you didn't understand the culture. Interesting. So it did it change your mind when you moved to Oakley from Starcraft? Did you did you have any preconceptions that were changed by the experience of actually working directly for brands in-house agency? Oh, absolutely I did. You know, uh, um, one of the things I pride myself on on the agency side was uh, the way that I would uh, take our team, our internal team at the agency, and immerse ourselves in our clients' uh, business, understanding mm -hmm. their product. Uh, whether it be at ASICS um, going deep into the biomechanics of a runner or uh, at Oakley, the technology that they put into eyewear. But what, what I learned when I joined Oakley was the culture is so critical to the work that you're producing. Also, in terms of culture, did you find there was a difference in your personal lifestyle moving across to an in-house agency from your own business? Uh, yes, uh, for sure. I felt like I, I could take a deep breath and really focus on the work uh, rather than uh, all of the uh, everything else that comes with owning a business where you're, uh, you're really you're tied to that business seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh, when I joined Oakley, I felt like uh, finally I could really focus on one client and, um, and really working with this in-house team to see what we could do to up our game. Right. So you but there was a lot of kind of distraction and chaff around in your own when you were running your own agency, right? That you just no longer had, that other people dealt with or just wasn't around, right? Yes, yeah. But you know, at the agency we didn't have an HR department. At the agency, um, you know, you kind of worked on sales and you worked yeah. on uh, working with people and the the creative side and you're on a plane and you're traveling to events that you've been producing materials for. At Oakley, I really got to sit and focus on the brand. Very different, very different. But you brought up a family, I think, as well while you're at StyleCraft. Is that right? Yes. Um, <laughs> married, two kids, put them through college. Um, 
I, uh, like I said, I was on the road a lot, so I missed a lot of soccer games, but yeah. um, they seem to be very understanding. At least they speak to me today. So that's <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Yeah. So um, anyway, you were, so you, as you say, the, uh, the, the whole position changed at Oakley. Everything moved uh, abroad, um, leaving you suddenly a year later without any work. Yes, and, and that, I think you alluded to this earlier in our conversation, that was the time where I got to look at the four walls and say, well, now what am I going to do? You know, uh, at this point, uh, the kids were out of college, so it was just my wife and I, and um, I thought that I would stay in the same industry. I wanted to, to definitely stay in-house. I didn't want to start another agency. Huh. Or join so, another agency. Yeah, um, so uh, I really enjoyed that in-house experience at Oakley, and I, and I was looking for that opportunity and interviewed uh, many different uh, places, most of them in Southern California. But this opportunity in Idaho came up, mm. and uh, my wife and I talked and said, well, let's, let's see if there's something there. So you traveled over, did you, to go and see the, uh, see the place before you decided? Yes. Um, we... Um, they flew me in for an interview, of course, and yeah. uh, they offered me the position. And my wife and I came up to look around and say, uh, is this where we want to live? Do we want to move here? And um, it didn't take too long to say, yes, this is something that we really want to do. Well, this is, this, is, this, is, this is off piste a little bit for the discussion. But what was it that attracted a California to Idaho? Apart from the job, obviously, but but what, what what I've never been there, so tell tell me what what struck you about the place. Well, I had the agency that we had was in Southern California. Oakley was in Southern California, and um, I don't know if you've been to Southern California. Oh yes. but there's there's no seasons, right? The palm yeah. trees they're they never yeah. change colors. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. And I'm up here in northern Idaho, um, and there's definitely four seasons. We had yeah. never lived where it snowed and we kind of liked that idea. We wanted to see yeah. what that was like. Um, fall was it's spectacular up here. So it was yeah. really the geography and um, changing up that Southern California lifestyle for something that's um, that was completely different that appealed I to us. Absolutely. And then uh, also completely different is working uh, at a university or, uh, rather than at a global brand. That that also is monumental. It seems monumentally different. Is it, in fact, monumentally different? It is monumentally and what, what different. And what are the principal points of, of difference you've had to adapt to? Um, you know, certainly you can talk about, you know, budgets and, um, you know... They're uh, smaller, right? Yeah, uh, substantially smaller. Um, yeah. You can talk about, you know, a global reach with Oakley. Yeah. We're known throughout the world uh, here at the University of Idaho. Uh, it, you don't know much. You don't know the University of Idaho much beyond the borders of Idaho. But yeah. the one yeah. major uh, difference is the purpose. Um, it was something that I thought I was going to like. I had no idea uh, how important it was to find a place where what we did had such purpose. Um, you know, I'd like to say that I had a lot of pride in the Oakley product or yeah. when we're on the agency side with ASICs, but here we're literally changing lives. If, if some of the materials that we produce uh, encourage a high school student to go to college, um, their lives are changed. And yeah. uh, that was something that um, was important to me when I, 
thought that's what I would be getting into, but um, it's so rewarding to know that that's exactly what we're doing here. So was there was there a big difference in commitment or level of professionalism or level of creativity that you found moving from one to the other? There was. Um, we have a, a talented team here at the University of Idaho. Uh, we have a creative team. We have in-house uh, photo. We have uh, what we refer to as digital media. It's essentially our video team, but mm -hmm. uh, we also have TV production and creative services, and mm -hmm. we have uh, in-house printing. So all of the team is, they're very talented and very dedicated to what we do, but they're, um, we're so isolated here in Northern Idaho that I don't think that the team is exposed to the same um, influences that we had in Southern mm. California. And that's been one of the things that I've tried to focus on uh, in joining this team. And how do you do that? How do you do that? Um, I'm constantly looking for um, reference points to what other brands are doing outside of higher education. Uh, this team knows higher education. They've got it. What I mm -hmm. want to do is let them know that our target audience, that high school student that we're going to convince to come to the University of Idaho, they're looking at a lot of brands out there and none of them are mm. higher education brands. So what I want to do is show my team what those other brands are doing and why they are successful mm. and, and what can we take from that and produce in our materials to appeal to this, this consumer. Right. And so where do you point them towards? Where do they look for that sort of thing? Well, obviously, my background is in, uh, you know, the athletic side. So some of those uh, brands that uh, that I worked with, whether it be Oakley or Asics that are doing phenomenal work or others in that marketplace like a Nike, Adidas, um, they're doing uh, fantastic work. But I'm looking at other brands that, that this person engages with every day, whether it be uh, in some cases fast food brands and how agile uh, some of those brands can be. Um, and, that, and how do you analyze this with your team then? I mean, how do you how do you make them think about it and, and make them learn from from other brands and what they're doing? What's what's the actual process you go through? Well, um, to, I'll answer your question by saying that I'm constantly um, showing them these examples. They'll tell you that I'm inundating them with way too much information. <laughs> what I'm doing is um, I spend a lot of time um, looking at what these brands are doing, and then I send what's relevant to a team member and say, hey, take a look at what, what this brand is doing, or look at this uh, photography sample, or look at this uh, video editing. I think this is very unique on the editing side. Uh, look at what they're doing with sound design. So I'll send messages to team members where it's relevant. And helping them raise their game is, is the aim, right? And that's exactly the bottom line, helping them raise their game, helping mm -hmm. them uh, produce product, produce materials that really engage with our consumer. And that's what I'm trying to do. So you mentioned you've got a great creative team there and you, you, you stressed creativity all the way right back at Oakley as well and, and before that. But presumably there in Idaho, you've got full sort of in-house operations as well. And you're dealing with your clients who are the university marketers? Do they have marketers? Yes, we have a, um, a marketing team here at the University of Idaho, and that's really our client. 
Um, I was very fortunate in that the marketing team that we have here, our director of marketing, is very open to ideas and suggestions. So uh -huh. as uh, they develop a marketing plan, they've included me from the very beginning and we kind of shaped that together and I'll uh, provide some reference points of what it's like in, um, in other industries. And, and this also helps you plan what your department's doing as well. If you've got that insight at, that, at the neck of the funnel, as it were, you get a little bit more foresight, I suppose, in terms of what's coming down the pike. And that's critical on the side of an in-house agency. Um, to run an in-house agency and not understand what your marketing team is doing is not mm. a recipe for success. Mm. Uh, there's yeah. no way that we could manage our capacity if we didn't know what the marketing plan was, if we didn't have visibility to a marketing calendar. And um, it is absolutely critical that the in-house agency and the marketing team are working very closely together. So is that your role or do you have project managers or account managers who liaise with the marketing team? Uh, I, uh, I feel that that is so critical to success that that's my role. So you can see what's coming down the pike. There are opportunities for you, obviously, to, to manage your team in advance. But are you, are you the only game in town or, or can they or will they go to external agencies? Um, our marketing team uh, is free to go to other agencies. Uh, we pretty much are the only game in town. Like I said, we're here <laughs> yeah. in, in northern Idaho. We're kind of remote, but um, we do use an agency that's located in Boise, um, yeah. just to give you a reference. Yeah. Boise is about a six-hour drive from where we're located. Okay. Um, and um, uh, they help primarily on the strategy side, um, but they do uh, creative development too, and that helps our team see our brand from another perspective. Mm -hmm. And again, you've got that history of being on the outside looking in and then immediately on the inside looking back out again. Um, does that also help you manage your staff's expectations when dealing with a third party agency? I think so. I think all of those uh, reference points that I brought uh, when I took this job here help a lot. Um, I know that sometimes the in-house team um, they're like, hey, why didn't we get that job? And, yeah. and we have to say, we have to develop our skills in this area if we're yeah. going to be expected to do this type of work. This, the agency that we're using in Boise, they're very skilled here. If we want to do that, we'd better start working on it. I see. But there you've got the design team. Do you have dedicated production personnel as well? Or are they our, all creatives? Yeah, our design team, um, they are kind of hybrid where they do the production right. um, and the creative. Got it. Okay. All right. So you're trying to encourage them to look around. I think uh, use the word innovation um, as well uh, in terms of looking for people to come up with new ideas. And are you actually seeing that happening? Yes. Um, innovation is critical. Um, it, and it's something that we talk about as a team constantly. And I have seen the team evolve so much since I joined this team. They've been so open to suggestions and ideas and different ways of working. And um, I'm, I'm very thankful that they're, they're so open. Hey, California guy, what are you doing? Coming in here, changing everything. <laughs> uh, but they've been very open to it. And I think that we have been innovating 
and we're we're producing some phenomenal work right now. I can just see you walking through the door with your surfboard under your arm and uh, right telling everyone surfs up. Right. So uh, this has been a three year journey you've had at. I keep using the word journey. This has been a three year stint you've had so far at the University of Idaho. A little were you thinking that. Um, at around this time, you would all be forced out of the office and into lockdown due to the coronavirus outbreak. How have you managed that, John? Uh, it's been challenging. Um, it's challenging, um, you know, trying to work with a team and, and keep uh, the team uh, focused on what we're doing and keep them together when everybody is working remotely. Um, but one of the other challenges that I never would have seen coming uh, up here again in, in northern Idaho is technology and the access to um, decent internet is very scattered. So we have mm. some of our team that don't have good internet, fast internet access, and that's wow. been challenging. We have uh, our video team um, trying to work remotely uh, using you know what what technology that they have. Um, in trying to work with very large video files has been mm. um, frustrating, to say the least. Equally, I presume the flow of work has, has slowed right down, hasn't it, or hasn't it? Yeah, so we do work for, um, here at the university, we have 10 different colleges, the College of Engineering and the okay. College of Business, College of Law. So we do work for all 10 colleges as well as overall centralized marketing um, so you're right, um, students are no longer here on campus. Uh, the colleges are not producing the materials that they've needed in the past. Uh, so our design team, our creative team, things have slowed down for them. Our video team, though, has never been busier. Huh. Um, and I'm kind of thankful for the fact that uh, the president of this university uh, has embraced video as a way to communicate. And yeah. we've been producing a lot of video content to push out to uh, staff and faculty, to push out to alumni, and um, to try to engage uh, new students. Video is about signing people up for, for the new year, is it then? It's about promoting that way, or is it also video for learning? Um, so there, the video for learning, we're not involved with that. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, quite a, a, a hurdle to get over, is to, to have all of our coursework uh, delivered uh, through an online source. But what mm. we do here in this department is we're really just trying to tell our story and let people know um, some of the amazing things that we're still doing here on campus. You're, though you're not here in person, we're, a lot of research is still happening. Um, so it's really telling our story and letting people know what we do to benefit the state of Idaho. Well, these are challenging times, I have to say. Um, it sounds like you're going to get through it. Are you still looking forward to getting back and doing sports photography when it's over? <laughs> you know, uh, I mentioned earlier in our conversation that I would spend a lot of time on the road. And that time uh, often uh, allowed me to do sports photography. So um, for many years, I photographed uh, athletes for ASICs. And it could be um, an athlete running a marathon in London, or it could be um, tennis athletes uh, yeah. per, uh, competing. So I got to do a lot of sports photography, which is what I wanted to do when I grew up. 
Um, but those days are behind me. You know, that's kind of tough. You're carrying yeah. 50 pounds of gear um, for uh, many hours at a time. So I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing. Well, the photography, I, have to, I was going to mention this before, but the photography on your website is truly exceptional as well, I think. You've got some really lovely, uh, really lovely pictures there. I can't believe you didn't have a hand in some of those. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, we have, like I said, a talented team. That, they're, they're really dedicated to what we do here. Um, so uh, it's great uh, to work with a team like that. I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, John, I wish you luck with uh, uh, soldiering on through the uh, lockdown and, uh, well, the whole world is, is uh, trying to get through this uh, calamity. Um, but I want to thank you very, very much for your time uh, talking to us on Inside Jobs about your story. Um, if people want to reach out and talk to you about uh, maybe some of the changes between going from your own agency to an in-house agency or going from a large corporate to uh, to something more like a university, uh, how can they best get in contact with you? Oh, you can certainly um, reach out to me on LinkedIn or send me an email right here to my office, which is jbarnhart at uidaho.edu. I'm happy to talk to you. And uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure, John. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a charming guy John is and clearly a man who's determined to help those around him get the very, very best from themselves. Well, here's where I wrap up and say thank you to Emily Foster of IHAF for her partnership in bringing this episode and this podcast series to you all. Pratik Shavastava for being such a patient producer and Prana and Divya of the Express KCS audiovisual team for their editing skills. And mostly, of course, I want to thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, you'll find a whole load more at www.insidejobs.org, including maybe of interest Jack Tubers. He's from PwC and he's been advocating remote working for creative teams for a long time. And he's worth looking up if you're facing particular challenges with this. Anyway, feel free to drop me a line or to connect with me on LinkedIn and give me any feedback about Inside Jobs. And if you have time, drop a review onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember to be sure to spread the word about Inside Jobs. Till next time.